Hello, and welcome back to the only show where Bib Fortuna means more than just a clean way to eat fish. I'm Max. <laughs> I'm Matt. And I'm Luke. And this is Force for Thought. And that was a good joke. All right. Hello and welcome back to Force for Thought. We have a uh, very busy episode today. We got a lot of stuff we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about some Star Wars in the news. We're going to review a Han Solo comic and we're going to introduce a couple new segments as well. We're going to do a character spotlight and a comment section where we're going to talk about some comments that we've been getting from some of our listeners. So if you have any comments after this show, feel free to reach out to us on social media or shoot us an email at forceforthought at gmail.com. And they can text you too, right? What's your number? (laughs) (laughs) Well... It's a new wave of force for thought with new segments. <laughs> uh, we'll just stick to the Gmail for now. <laughs> the group Gmail. You don't know. It's a, It's kind of like a roulette. You never know who's going to answer. That's so, true. Uh, I wanted to, to start with a segment that I called Shoot the Ship. <laughs> That's fun. But it's just you us really talking, so I didn't know how to introduce that. So let's shoot the ship a little bit. <laughs> Man, I, we, were, we were talking on off pod about the bad batch and stuff too is that going to be a segment within this about how the bad batch potentially might not be doing well because yeah, i will talk about that in the news i think is it more personal life stuff is it do you how do you want to run this maxwell uh well for this i actually thought that maybe we could talk a little bit about galaxy con because we just went to oh, galaxy yes. con so much better than what i was gonna yes oh my god <laughs> i was also thinking that no my one god. cares about our personal lives <laughs> no i meant the bad batch stuff um we went to galaxy con uh, uh two weeks ago and uh, we got to uh, meet john jackson miller who is a famous star wars author author did a bunch of books comics and he has a new book coming out i say we it was really luke was really <laughs> leading that conversation yeah. so and his new book is the living force which we've mentioned a couple times that that's going to be our first group book review because yeah. the higher public book came and went you guys never picked it up so the living force i'm putting my foot down we're all reading it and we're gonna like it yeah i'll do that especially after meeting him he's he was a super nice guy yeah he didn't sign polite. a poster for me for some reason but i don't hold a grudge that was on you. You didn't scan the QR code. I did scan the QR code, very obviously, too, so he would see it. No, that was definitely on Matt. John, if you're <laughs> listening, I know I know how it went down. <laughs> Matt was very passive about it. He did not want a poster. He even told me later, he's like, even if I got a poster, I wouldn't hang it up. And so don't fault him for not getting you a poster, Matt. That was on you. I thought you did get a poster. I didn't know that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, I did not, which is fine, too. But it was a great experience, and I didn't want to carry it around. But, yeah, Galaxy Con was great. I think, I mean, John Jackson Miller was super nice to talk to. I mean, again, it was mostly Luke, but, like, just even hearing what he was saying. And um, I know a couple weeks ago, Luke, do you want to kind of take over the story you asked him and stuff, too? Um, Yes. Sorry, I'm kind of frazzled because this was my force for thought for the episode. <laughs> I have a, I, Matt, new format, folks. I have a different force for thought that I can pivot to. Oh, thank God. Um, but yes, I asked him, um, if you don't follow us on socials, you should. But I made a video a couple weeks ago about the... <laughs> I thought you said that the John Jackson Miller. I was like, I do not remember that aspect. I was like, what a bold no, move, my friend. No, I made a video a couple weeks ago about the obi One Two Three kids book that shows... Um, the Jedi Council from the Phantom Menace era, which is the same era that John Jackson Miller is writing The Living Force about in the same Jedi Council. And in the children's book, there's 11 canon Jedi masters that I was going through with my son and listing them all. And then there's one guy that's just a regular human guy. It must be like an Easter egg for the illustrator or something, but it's not Evan Peel, who's the Jedi Council member that's missing. And so I showed John Jackson Miller that picture, and I was like, what the hell, Mr. Miller, where's Evan Peel? And he was like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I didn't write <laughs> yeah. this book. He's I don't like, know, I don't know who that guy is. <laughs> but uh, Evan Peel's in this book, and he was telling us that, uh, my, this was my force for thought, that he was 
writing the book, and Evan Peel has a distinct role in it, and he had to keep referring to him as Master Peel because Evan Peel is spelled E-V-E-N, and when you read that, that's just even, and, it's, <laughs> and it looks dumb, and so you can't just write that and have expect people to read it like Evan. I really liked hearing his anecdotes about that stuff, honestly. Like, obviously, like, any author is interesting to, to, to listen to, to, like, hear their inner thinking, but especially, like, having to talk to an author, specifically in Star Wars, which I've never done before, I thought was really cool to hear, again, things like that. Like, oh, yeah, like, that would make a lot of sense that they would just read even. Like, fantasy is probably super hard because things are spelled the same or, or not spelled the same and, and probably sound differently than you want them to. Um, but hearing that kind of stuff was great, and then also just, like, his workflow and schedule was interesting, and that he's just, like, writes in Wisconsin. I don't know. I th- feel like all of that was super interesting, and he felt like a guy from, like, like Max and I talked about this. He felt like from somebody from like the nineties that would like actively want to talk to you about goosebumps or something. Yeah. He was very passionate. And when he was, he did a good job of selling us too on the living force. It sounds like it's going to be really good. He like paired up all the different council members with a different person. And he said, it's like, it's basically like a, like a a buddy cop movie road trip. Yeah. Like six times over because there's 12 of them. Um, And he said, similarly, another issue that he had was with another Jedi master named Yerl Poof. Because his last name is Poof, and he said something like how he, I don't know if he said this is in the book, or he wanted to make a joke about it, about how it's not his fault that, uh, in your language, his last name sounds like the end of a magic trick. Yeah, I think that is in the book. Oh, not that exact thing, but I think that was the joke, right? That's yeah. Just, uh, which is so funny. I was also going to say, maybe it's a spoiler, I don't know. He spoiled it for us. No, yeah, he told it to us, because we did ask him a couple other questions yeah, that he did not answer. Yeah, I tried to answer. get spoilers. He would not answer if Darth Plagueis is in the book, but he probably is. This is that era. The fact that he... The lack of answers. Like, oh, I can't mm-hmm. say. It's like I tried mm-hmm. asking him if uh, he was gonna respect Kiadi Mundi's characterization of being an asshole all the time. <laughs> Seems like he's not. He didn't seem to have a Luke phrased it a Kiyadi little Mundi. bit nicer I, I feel than like that. The Kiadi Mundi stuff for you, he's, you're always trying to feel like people are gonna be on your side. And I feel like he was just like, no, he's fine. No, I think 99 percent of people are like, I kind of like Kiadi Mundi. He's What's kinda, wrong with them? As a fellow big head person, I agree. I do like him. <laughs> I think that's an offensive term for his people. <laughs> I just remembered uh, another reason I hate Keanu Mundi outside of every oh line God. of dialogue he has is in the Battlefront 2 2005 game, which I'm sure you guys remember playing. Oh, yeah. He's a playable character and he sucks. He's the worst Jedi. He has the worst, like, what I don't know how to describe it, combat feel. Yep. It was just But that's one of the best fun. maps, though, on my, my Gito. My Gito? Yeah, it is, good. it is a good map, but... When you play on Moss Eisley with all the heroes and all the villains, yeah. you would never pick Kiati Mundi no, because he no, just feels but, so No, you never bad. do. But you need that kind of character for someone else. That's the younger brother character. You know what I mean? Well, you're the youngest brother, so I'm sorry, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> I do know what you mean in theory. And my answer is that I've just gotten better at playing as Yoshi on Super Smash Brothers, and now I can beat all my brothers in Super Smash Brothers even while I'm playing Yoshi, and they can have Pikachu and Donkey Kong, and it doesn't even matter because I'm just better. Good for you, Luke. I'm unloading stuff. <laughs> um, well, this is the new segment is therapy. <laughs> Shoot the ship. They could have gone... Now I'm just thinking more about that Battlefront 2 game. Did, did you realize <laughs> they gave Ayla Sakura a second lightsaber for no reason? <laughs> she never had a, two lightsabers, but they were like, you know, I've she never thought about that. You're Same. absolutely right. Keanu Mundi is the one time. that needed to. Yeah. Make, they'd give him a fighting chance to be I wonder if there's favorite. a comic bit where she uses two, because she was a comic character first. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, GalaxyCon, we also got, Max and I got two DL44s. We bartered with some of the guy who's yeah. talking about how our kids aren't going to know what a gumball machine is because currency is going to be all digital and no money. Yeah, the government's trying to take our money and our land or something. I did not know what he was that going on man, about. That man was insane. He was, it got weirder. Yeah. I laughed and he was, I thinking he was kind of joking. He was not joking. <laughs> no, Matt and I were just like, can we just have our toys, please? Yes, and then... <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, this is again, this is a visual medium. We don't need to go over this, but I keep thinking about it. They're like, oh, and the, and the, and the scope comes off. And then I thought it was a joke because it's like a like a rubber gun. Yeah. So I thought they just wanted me to like purposely try to break it. But I, I pulled it off and it, the scope came off and it looked dumb as hell. <laughs> and they try to sell that like it's a cool thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a classic trying to sell a bug as a feature. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was great. Galaxy. Do you have anything else about GalaxyCon? I mean, we just walked around. It was great. We saw a lot of Star Wars fans, a lot of Star Wars people. Like, Yeah, no, it was great. We actually ran into a bunch of fans. Um it was two of our friends that came with us. Uh, <laughs> but it was great riff. seeing them. I was going to riff too, but yeah. Giancarlo Esposito and Emily Swallow were there. We did not get pictures of them. We kind of saw Giancarlo, didn't we? Or was that someone else? I didn't see Giancarlo. No, because no, I, I think you maybe did because we, I think, walked away as he was coming out or something. Yeah, it was exciting. It was exciting to be in the same room. The pictures were sold out. I would have liked to get a picture. I usually I know. don't get pictures when I go to cons. Same. But now that we have this podcast, I think it'd be fun to get a picture with the three of us. And I would. Whomever. And going back to the friends real quick, it was a weird moment for me. And the fact that like your friend, um, Brian, yeah, super nice guy. I don't think I've ever met him. And then the fact that yeah, he listens to the podcast apparently. And so you were like, he's like, you were like, uh, oh, it's probably different for him to like yeah, hear you, your voice. You guys time. are like technically strangers, but he yeah. seems to know you a lot better than you would know a random stranger because he listens. Yeah. That's a fun dynamic. It, yeah, I've never felt that before. The power went straight to my head. <laughs> I was just too starstruck the entire time by Joey Fatone. Yeah, that was insane, actually. Joey Fatone just like walked by. We're just like, it's just, what the, like, that's insane. Yeah. It was, it was interesting, the different level of uh, celebrities at an event like that. Because, like, Grant yeah. Gustin was there, and I feel like Grant Gustin was, like, the headliner. Like, everyone was there to see mm-hmm. him and everything. And then, yeah, Joey Fatone was just out and about walking around. Which I'm is like, crazy. Oh, that's, that's Joey. Which seems like the opposite to have to be like, oh, the Flash guy? Yeah. Versus, yeah. versus remember, Sync himself. God, you not guys are so old. Like... Sometimes I forget. They're both 30. For the listener at home, if you're wondering why they think Joey Fatone deserves more recognition than Grant Gustin. I am 30 as of this airing, aren't I? But it's... But it's like the CW Flash. It's like a bad... It ran for like nine seasons. But it's also the best Flash, though. I mean, (laughs) it is is really good. Yeah. Interesting. I think so, at least. Stephen Amell was there, too. No one's loving Green Arrow. Was he there? Yeah. Mm, Because we made the joke that he's just in heels now. All right. Well, let's move on to some Star Wars in the news. None of this news is breaking necessarily, but I did want to bring it up on pod so we can talk about it and offer some of our thoughts. The biggest one being Dave Filoni's promotion to CCO, Chief Creative Officer. How do we feel? Dave. Congratulations, (laughs) Dave Filoni. A very well earned. A long time coming. Well deserved raise. Promotion. (laughs) I I assume it comes with a raise. (laughs) That's what's so funny is that it's so like everyday person clerical it's just like oh he got a promotion good for dave it's so funny to be like yeah but i mean i don't know it's so it's like yeah he obviously makes sense that he should be like running stuff especially with the content he's been pushing out but it's so funny to be like yeah it just feels like he got a raise at lucasfilm but like it just the way it was announced it feels like you like a company-wide email like oh, let's, cr- let's congratulate dave for getting promoted but it's like actually a huge deal mm-hmm. but i feel like Usually, when those things happen, the are stuffier people that are always in like in suits and stuff. Yeah. And so I feel like it is a big deal. So when you see headlines, you're just like, "Who's this freaky fucker with the like cowboy hat on? Who's like know, now Dave's the... gonna be in a wolf t-shirt and a cowboy hat at a Disney executive board meeting? Exactly. And it's which is kind of refreshing. Though, Bob Iger's gonna be at the head of the table and turn to Kathleen. 
Kath, who, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> we need more. <laughs> She's like, believe it or not, this is the man that we need. <laughs> Do you see that uh, quote from Bob Iger talking about the Marvels and how they needed more execs in the room? <laughs> Which is why yeah. he thinks it didn't do well. I'm sure that was not the problem, Bob. <laughs> I agree. It's crazy to think of Dave Filoni getting a raise because like, he, I, you've heard that story of him getting the job and how excited he was. And he's such a big fan and everyone knows that. Can you imagine if he ended that story and he was like, yeah, and I was so excited to meet George Lucas and work on Star Wars. But then I asked him, like, well, what does it pay? (laughs) 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 You don't even think about that when you're in this situation. It's also funny to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, so your salary is going to be 1.2 now. Like, that's probably insane. Do you think that's the ballpark that he's in? No, no, no. But, like, it's still crazy. They could 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 demote him to minimum wage and he'd be like, this sucks, but. Okay, I mean, it's worth it to work yeah. on Star Wars. Maybe he... It's a labor of love. Do you think it's higher? I don't think it's lower. I don't even know how to guess I, what yeah, these I, people That's why are I was making. curious if you knew, Honestly, because you're the closest one to that world. I didn't know if you... Not, I don't really know any CEOs or CEOs or anything. CCO. But CCO. Um, Which, let me ask, because I was trying to look this up, and yeah. I wonder if that's a position that existed before Dave Filoni, because I was like, who who did they fire then? Like, who had that job? And I, I obviously, that news wasn't... I couldn't find that anywhere. So I'm wondering if they just made this position up for Dave, basically. I think they did. I think it didn't yeah. exist, and now it does. Because also, then, if they made it up, then I feel like that also kind of draws into question, like, how serious are these new responsibilities and roles? Because it's like, is he basically just going to do the same thing that he was before? Because he, he has talked about how he was basically an advisor on, like, a bunch of other Star Wars projects that have been going on. Oh, no, I think it is legitimate increase in responsibilities. And I think he talked about that in an interview, that he is now going to be involved at the pitch meetings and inception phase, as opposed to later editing and trying to salvage some things that they made because you know freddie prince jr talked about how they brought dave filoni in on rogue one to help with a lot of endgame stuff and uh, so it's stuff like that where he won't be brought in at the end because they know he's great and he's included in the beginning and he'll help steer the ship from the get-go so i have it pulled mm -hmm. up real quick the quote so dave filoni said in this new role it's opened up to basically everything that's going on when we're planning the future of what we're doing now i'm involved at the inception phase i'm not telling people what to do but i do feel like i'm trying to help them tell the best story that they want to tell i need to be help across the galaxy here like a part of the jedi council almost i like that he said that pretty well from memory this the story that he wants them to tell or he would that the story that they want to tell because that's the thing is like it does concern me a little bit right when you a lot of the Filoni stuff is more pulpy versus like Andor or whatever, but it's not. He doesn't want to control a creative director. Them, it's just he wants to make sure it's on track, right? So we're gonna still get a diverse amount of stories. Um, so I like that. And Dave Filoni seems like a cool guy. Salary wise, real quick, Bob Iger made makes four point nine million dollars a year, which is a lot in comparison because he the year before made three million dollars. So that seems like a huge hike. Um, with a cash bonus of $22 million. Um, so cash bonus of 20 of what is that? Like 600%? It's 1200%. I think that's also, I mean, realistically it's like, I mean, we can go on and on about that and blah, blah, blah. But like, I mean, no wonder why our Disney plus (laughs) subscription is going up every year or Netflix. I love the squid game challenge, which you guys should watch. It's so good. But like, I'm like, yeah, no wonder why my fucking Netflix is twenty dollars now because like they, they pay these people four point five million dollars it's mm-hmm. like can you just do a million <laughs> like <laughs> come on like as a as an active subscriber to netflix i'm just like yeah like i'm paying for that in a way mm-hmm. uh that sounds so like it's such an old person who doesn't want to vote yes on a on a school <laughs> bill 
<laughs> levy. More, more levies. Yeah, more levies. I'm not paying for that. <laughs> All right. The other uh, news story that I wanted to talk about um, was statements made by Taika Waititi for, uh, regarding his uh, film, that his Star Wars film that he's working mm-hmm. on. And I wanted to talk about this because it's something that we talk about a lot on the podcast about how it's probably not going to happen. Because this article, it was very clickbaity, and I saw it like kind of all over. Various different news sources were reporting it, and all their headlines said something similar. It was uh, the one that I'm looking at says Thor: Love and Thunder director uh, Taika Waititi says his Star Wars film is going to piss people off. And then you look into what he actually said, and yeah. he was talking about. Um, uh, Waititi confirmed the movie, and then this is his actual quote: "Will be dramatic pause, a Taika Waititi film." And then laughing, he said, it's going to piss people off. And so it's like, okay, well, when I read that in context, that doesn't bother me as much. Because he's not saying like, oh, I have this film written and it's going to upset you. What Mm -hmm. he's saying is, if I make a film, it's going to be a film that I make. And I'm going to have my own style and people don't like that. I feel like that's basically all that he was saying there and people needed to calm down about it. But I also wanted to bring it up because the entire rest of the article just goes on to explain all the ways in which this is not even close to being written. Like he himself is saying that like he doesn't even have like an entire second act written, but how he's totally okay with just taking time off, spending time with his family, going back to New Zealand to be back with his roots before he like does anything with this. So like the entire article is basically saying like this isn't going to happen. And honestly, I don't know if I, I like Taika Waititi. I think he does a really good job when he does his more personal close movies. His newest movie has not been doing well. The Michael Fassbender soccer movie which I heard I saw an article I think it was Variety maybe that's a shame it looks so good in the trailers the thing was just like is he even trying anymore and that's what I do feel like I love Jojo Rabbit and I think he's made like Hunt for the Wilder People is absolutely amazing Um, but then I I, do you see that quote about uh, Thor Love and Thunder where he's just like the reason I directed it is because I had another kid and that kid needs to go to college and it's like you know, when people say that kind of stuff, it's like people... Yeah, that rubs people the wrong it, way. It does. Because especially for people that like want to actively do those jobs, you know, I mean, I get it because that's just his, that's his job, right? You just kind of are up on another rung. So you're thinking different. You're not trying. You're just like thinking, I have another kid and that kid needs to go to college. But like, it also we're talking we're talking a lot of, about like pay like pay disparity now I feel like but like the fact that's like you having money issues buddy <laughs> you can talk to us what's going I'm on I'm talking four point five million dollars <laughs> um but yeah I, I think it's the same thing though where it's just like well that is just like a different level blah 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 but it's like it especially with Star Wars right if you're just kind of be like in the MCU and you're like I'm gonna phone this in in a franchise that has been kind of dying a little bit it just i don't want that for star wars to be honest and i it's like I, if Tycho is gonna do it i wanted to make something not purposely outlandish like i feel like love and thunder was like oh you thought ragnarok was crazy wait till you see love and thunder and i feel like i don't i don't really want that mentality with a star wars movie i, I like taika waititi again his, his other stuff but i don't, I don't know I agree. I, I think his stuff, it is, he definitely has his own style and it works for some things and it doesn't work for others. Yeah. I don't think it would work for Star Wars. I don't want to see it no. either. I don't hate Taika Waititi, but yeah. like you said, I, like, I really like Jojo Rabbit. Um, uh, the uh, What We Do in the Shadows, oh, I yeah. also really like Shadows a lot. Shadows is great, yeah. I have nothing to say on the matter. This article, like you said, was not news. This is not any new information. No. Taika Waititi might be making a Star Wars movie. I bet very heavily that he is not and i'm not going to waste my time thinking about what it could be yeah all right well let us know uh what you think um 
whether you think the Taika Waititi film is going to happen or not. Uh, and uh, maybe we'll talk about it, as uh, we will in a little bit. We'll get to some comment sections. But first, uh, let's talk about our topic of the day. Mm-hmm. And it is the Han Solo 2016 comic. It is a mini series. It is only five issues long. Uh, the description, Han is given a top-secret undercover mission for the Rebellion, rescuing several informants and spies. His cover for the assignment? Only the biggest and most infamous starship race in the galaxy, the Dragon Void. A tournament he has dreamt of winning his entire life. With a chance of glory, can Han keep his mind on the mission, or is failing Leia worse than losing? If that wasn't enough, there's also the small matter of finding a traitor within the Rebellion. As the Dragon Void heats up, can a certain Wookiee pal lend a hand in the mole hunt? Place your bets for the ultimate space race. I assume that's on the back cover. Or did you write that? I pulled that off the internet. No, oh, okay. it's probably on the back cover. Yes, it is on the back cover. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh, but there's one extra line that I missed. Our, our money is on Han and the Millennium Falcon. After all, it's the ship that made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. Yeah, I'd say it's a pretty safe bet. <laughs> uh, uh, this is the comic yeah. that I got Max and Matt as a gift a couple weeks ago. And... Uh, I do not have it myself, so they they were asking me if I like. Oh, did everyone bring their books? It's like no one got me this book from present, so I did not read it. I'm excited. Well, you didn't read it? No, I did. I was like, what? I was like, whoa! I read it on Marvel Unlimited. I was just getting kind of offended. You guys were talking about how we all have this book, and you guys were like, all right, everyone, pull out your book, and I'm like, I got it for you. Well, a Luke, thank you so much. B, you really made my heart skip a beat because I was about to be so pissed to be like, we've been texting about this all week. There no, were no. moments. I, I read it. I read it. <laughs> I was surprised. I did not like it that much. What did you, you guys think? I loved it. I I, I liked it quite a bit. Same. Yeah. I literally, so the other, uh, maybe earlier in this week, maybe it was Monday, um, I was like, oh my God, we, we're recording later this week. I have to like really start this. And I started a little bit the day before and I woke up early and I just read the whole thing. I was like, I, if there was a mole in the rebellion, like once that storyline really started to kick in, I was like, I couldn't put it down to be honest. And I think... I, again, I've talked about this before. Like, I love the omnibus like books. I love these this full collection. I don't think I could read this on a monthly basis or anything. Like, I would need it all in, mm-hmm. in one. And so, I, I love the visual of being able to read comics like this um, or anything. Honestly, like books like this too. Because one of the things I struggle with reading books is just like when I'm picturing somebody in my head, and then all of a sudden they like make a movie or they they show a picture later on. And it's like that's not at all who I was thinking. And I have to like recalibrate my brain. Uh, I don't know if you guys do. You guys picture like the characters doing yeah. things. Okay, that's, mm-hmm. that seems like a pretty common thing. But I was just like, I guess I haven't asked anybody that maybe ever. Um, but, but this is just like it's just right there for you. We know who Han Solo is, and then we also just get this really cool art. I think too. There's the, some the questionable Hannibal's, but other than that, I, I absolutely questionable love it. What? Some questionable panels mm. where I'm just like, well, why is that? There's like a couple that they're in there twice, and I'm like, well, no, nothing new has happened. Why, why are you showing it two times in a row? Very minimal uh, complaint. Uh, the art is very good, actually. I liked it quite a yeah. bit. And um, I found out when I was doing some research into this comic after the fact that apparently George Lucas himself really liked the art for this. And after the second issue debuted, uh, he contacted uh, Lucasfilm to get a hold of the artist because he wanted to buy the original prints. That's amazing. That's so cool. I also love the alternative covers for these throughout. Yeah, like at the start of the issues or whatever, they have a couple variants in there. Oh, damn, really let me neat. see. <laughs> I know. They're really cool. I also think this is, there's two, th- I'll start with negatives because I only have two negatives and the rest are positives, to be honest. Um, I don't know. Do you want to go into the negatives and positives? Do you want to tell more of the storyline? I mean, you kind of did, I guess. We, we should catch the listener up on yeah. broad stroke storyline. Let's line. do it. Yeah, yeah. 
Who wants to do it? <laughs> Seems like Max, you uh I felt like the synopsis was, was okay. good enough. Uh no, basically what's happening is that they they've uh realized that there is uh they have a, a the rebellion has multiple secret informants and they've been able to determine that there is a mole among the informants and they were able to narrow it down to three. Uh, and basically Han has to go on this mission where he has to pick up these three informants to try to find out which one is going to be. Well, not originally, right? Originally, the older, there's only three left because someone keeps killing them. And so it's only right. when you meet the first person that he's like one of the informants has to be the murderer or it's Leia. And the world right. like, it's obviously not Leia. And then that's a fun dynamic. Once he does pick up all three of the informants, they yes. play Among Us on the Millennium Falcon. Yes, which is like my dream movie, I feel like. <laughs> it was like, yes, I would like Alien, basically, uh, yes. in Star Wars. But I didn't like how that plotline resolved, that one of the informants was just brainwashed into being a traitor. I yeah. thought that was kind of lame. I didn't I like that story element. And that was like kind I agree. of a resolution to the whole yeah. a bit novel. of. A bit of the, and it's, spoiler, it's the anxious guy that he first picks up, which is a little funny that he is the one who says it has to be one of the three of us. Because mm-hmm. if he didn't say anything, <laughs> his plan would be fine. He could just kill the other people easily. Han well, would have no Did he thing. know it was one of the three of them? Did, they, or he knew that it was one of the three of them. Because did he know him. it was himself? Or was he brainwashed no, he to the point to where he didn't even know what he was doing? I think it might be that. But I don't think it comes off clear enough, potentially, because he does... I don't think he knows who, he, who that it is him um, until he's like activated, basically. But I don't think that comes off super clear. So it is a little dicey when you dive into it. But who, I mean, who cares? It's a comic. It's a blast. And like I said, the, it's fun to be like, there's a killer on the ship. And then in the middle of that, you are also introduced to all these other pilots. And then you also are introduced to the, uh, the Empire tracking them down. So there's really like three elements coming on at the same time. Um... My two negatives, I feel like I can maybe just dive into, is uh, one is just like, I, something for, for Star Wars. I, I know that, like, obviously Han, Chewie, and Leia uh, and Luke are doing other things in between the movies, but to me, it's like the, in my mind, they're just like together. I, I don't know why. It just feels like they're doing stuff together the entire time. And then in, in between A New Hope and Empire, and Empire, he decides to leave. That's like the, his first, like, okay, I'm done with this. But obviously, this book shows that a lot has happened in between those events and so then it gets a little bit muddy for me because i'm like well how close were they in those movies because clearly they aren't you know, at the ending of this helps a little bit and the fact that like han and leia kind of like you know they touch hands at the end there's clearly like a love interest which then presumably leads leads closer to empire but it just is confusing for my brain to be like this entire time i thought this and now all of a sudden I'm reading this comic and all of a sudden like these character dynamics are changing in my head a little bit so that's thing, something i didn't love at this at the start again it kind of resolves itself and the other one negative thing that i have is that it's it does that thing because it can because it's a comic is that every character is weird because it can be weird and I'm just like, oh why wouldn't this be a, a snow leopard person or why wouldn't this be like an- you're saying that's a negative yes I love for me because th- to me it doesn't translate because when you're watching the movies none of those characters are in there so all of a sudden you're just like okay so like han's interacting with all these different creatures in the comics which again makes sense but like in the movies he's interacting with 90 percent humans which is fine but again it's just that's more of my personal hang-up but that's something that like across comics or across animated shows or anything it's always my big hang-up is that i feel like the universe should be even where it's like we can show these characters and they're great background characters and then they which and they should be you know like um like having more like of a Bosque or having like a Cad Bane, but there's just like some sort of disconnect where there's just like this alien, this like Kaminoan almost looking alien that I'm like, I've never seen before. I'll never see again. 
Um, because he was the last the of the species. Of, yep. that's, that, I, we always talk about how that's exactly what I want out of Star Wars is more yeah. alien designs. I and the comics is such a perfect medium for it. I did not like that character in particular that... Uh, do you guys remember his name off the top of your head? Asan... Asaran... It was a female, right? With the glowing yeah, she, the orbs? Oh, yes. Thank you. She yep. was a female. Yeah. Um, she which, was a cool character, but... Loreano, the last of her species one? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Loreano, I believe. Ooh, I was not even close. Um, but she was super, a super cool design, and it was mm-hmm. um, like explained contextually that she's the last of her species, yep. and so that's why you never see any of her kind anywhere else and she looked really cool i i cannot believe that you're faulting that that's that was one of my favorite parts again that's more of a personal thing Mm -hmm. max what's your stance on this uh i also like the characters a lot (laughs) and the character designs um but i want to go back to one thing that you were saying matthew about the uh uh, like the characters relationships and kind of like their mannerisms and stuff because i thought this was a really good glimpse into han solo for where he is in that moment in between episodes four and five where episode four Mm -hmm. ends and he's a part of this rebellion now and in this comic book he's given this mission for the rebellion and he knows this is for the rebellion he knows there's a mission at hand but the cover for this mission is this infamous race Mm -hmm. and you still get that that conflict within him because he's still kind of that cocky selfish Han Solo where he's like I know I have to do this mission for the rebellion but I also think I can win this race yeah yeah. so he's like constantly like kind of competing those two things at the same time Mm -hmm. and it's just like no Han put the mission first and he's just like but I think I can win this thing too and I like that I like that aspect a lot who you've Matt have Mm -hmm. talked before about the how you think it's kind of clunky I think maybe in your duel of the fates clunky um yes in your Duel of the Fates uh, synopsis, the mm-hmm. ring that Rose uses to show the resistance symbol. Yeah. Did you, th- that looks like a lot better option now because Han and Chewie just go around <laughs> just with a patch. napkin. I know. <laughs> shows the, the rebel the patch signal. is hilarious. <laughs> Especially in the comic, it's like, a, what? Like, you have a cocktail napkin, basically? <laughs> Should they just pull it out of their pocket and they show all these informants? They're like, no, no, I'm with the rebellion. Yeah. And it's like, dude, what if someone sees this? But I that, also, that, yeah. that made me like the ring a lot more because it's hidden. It makes sense. Yeah, yes. So the um, <clears throat> the informant being brainwashed, I wanted to talk about that too because this came out in uh, mid to late 2016 uh, and right in the middle of this is when Aftermath Life Debt came out. And a big plot point to Life Debt is um, Temin Wexley's father was kidnapped and he was also brainwashed and he was brainwashed into this uh, committing an assassination attempt on Mon Mothma. Spoiler alert if you haven't read Life Debt, but it's really good as well. And I feel like in that time... That was like, for some reason, something big that they were trying to go for. Because yeah. I remember um, uh, after Force Awakens and reading this Aftermath book and everything, thinking Kylo Ren is being brainwashed. Mm-hmm. Because they have that very yes. specific scene where uh, where he's confronting his father on the bridge right before he kills him. And there's that sun. And while it's still light out, he has that glimpse of lightness in him. And then mm-hmm. when it turns dark, he's like more committed to the dark side. And he's like seemingly brainwashed once it goes dark and that's consistent with the aftermath book where it was a, a light mm-hmm. thing where when the sun went down tem and wexley's father was brainwashed and that's when he committed like these atrocities basically so i yep. feel like maybe that's what they were trying to go for like they were trying to like set up all of this stuff because they were going to establish that uh kylo ren was actually brainwashed and he is still good and then none of that just came to fruition i don't know but know. this isn't the only thing of that time that had to do with brainwashing. Yeah. I know we've talked about this before, that scene. I think it is just more of a visual storytelling. But well, Especially time, in hindsight, yes. I think that's absolutely what it is. But do you think that was a question that they were going to do potentially for Last Jedi? Like, Do you think 
J.J. Abrams was just like setting a bunch of stuff up, like a bunch of stuff up like like that for like super fans who would know that thing or even I mean, again, like anything of who's who or is Ray anybody like do you think it was the goal was to just set up as many possibilities so that the next director could take them on and do anything. I mean, I think that visual might be a little hard um, because of Ryan Johnson, I think, like was writing probably when Force Awakens was coming out. But like, I don't know. Do you think that was at all potentially uh, a route they would go down it sounds like maybe yeah (laughs) Yeah. i don't know i wouldn't be opposed to it if they did that um i don't like fundamentally object to the idea of brainwashing in star wars it just seemed like for this story kind of a cop-out it doesn't help that i'm also at the same time as this reading another comic series that i'll be going rogue about next month but in it i don't i'm not i'm not gonna get too into it but there's this um galactic alliance admiral that's like the head honcho and he Mm -hmm. gets um also betrayed and shot in the back and it's like oh why did this person do it and uh, his family was captured by the sith and they're being tortured and it's like okay that's that's a good reason that's dark and then the admiral is like well try to save your family and for my part i forgive you but you are gonna have to be tried and found guilty and executed so you're forgiven but not excused and it's like Mm. shit that's intense and then this is just the polar opposite. And yeah, this is. So you didn't like the. You didn't like this. No, I didn't like that element, and that was well, like. To be fair, we never. We never the... saw. I mean, he, he was able to turn him over to the rebellion and say this was the uh, this was the spy or the mole, yeah. but we never really saw the outcome of that. That's we don't true. know what the rebellion was going to do with them. There was something not to imply that they were going to kill him, yeah. but right. But it, I think it implied more that it was not his fault. Like as he was yes. subdued, he kept saying, "It's not me. It's not. I'm me. not a killer." Yeah. I. I the guy that Leia is with the entire time was my the front runner of who's going to be bad. Yeah, because he was an asshole. He was a dick. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> I was like, is it too obvious that it's him? And I think that's part. Like again, I when I read a little bit of the comic um, on like a Sunday, I think when it was like, oh, this is a cool mission. This is a cool race. And then all of a sudden on a Monday, when I got to being the the first guy they picked up, and was just like, oh, there's a killer amongst the three of us. Then that's when I read the rest of it. But I was like, my money is on this guy. <laughs> yeah, I was dick. thinking it was going to be that pilot with a really cool alien design because she was in it a lot. Yes. And her, I, I, I don't know why she was in it that much. And I didn't really get where her character went at the end. So to a different galaxy again. That, exactly. Which, they keep doing it that wasn't now. It was a different galaxy. It was, well, was in it between not? time Let's and explain space. it for those that haven't listened. So I haven't the, read it. So <laughs> what what happened to her? Well, at the very end, basically, she realizes... the end of the race. And yeah, and she wins and she's able to... Which I'm confused about, too, because she's won the race before. And has so she? That's I believe she has, right? They I think that's... I a, think they a, did say that, yeah. Which I, thought, is, I thought the exact same thing. And they say you never need to work again. But it's like, well, why does she do this every year? And she wins every year, it seems like. But then at the end, for some reason, she's able to... You know, on first read, she's basically reunited with her family and goes through a black hole. And is again, like Max said, kind of somewhere between space and time. But is that like that? Just seems going into Ahsoka a little bit, then, right? Like it's just like, yeah. do you go the, to the world between worlds? Like it's a little confusing, I think, in that regard. But basically, she's reunited with her with her family, and she's basically about she's going to sacrifice herself. Um, and I think it's her sacrifice that she's thinking and she's going to do is. Then, but opens it up, and and then everybody goes into the the black hole, um, right? And then they have a chance to stay there, and then they don't, and then obviously she stays with her with her family, and everyone else uh, goes back. And also, the other pilots are really cool too. There's the a lot of pilots were cool, but I don't mm-hmm. I don't want to get too far no, no, away from the end of the yeah. race because I still don't really understand how that worked. Because the end of the race, yeah. w- which is a cool idea for a space race like this, it's not a circuit. You don't end where you started. The there's like a one <laughs> classic way... Michael Scott fun run. <laughs> 
there's a one-way portal at the end of the race that takes you back to the start, yeah. but it only works for the first person that gets there, and everyone else is just stranded out there at the mm-hmm. edge of the galaxy. But when this expert ace pilot alien goes through it, she gets teleported to her people in some other place outside of space and time, and then she brings all of them back to save Han Solo and the other racers from the Empire. Mm-hmm. And then they're all able to go through the portal. But I thought it was like only the first person could go through the portal. I did, that just all seemed inconsistent and so unclear they, to me. They made a couple comments about how they don't really... <clears throat> they The Dragon Void uses this as like the ending of their race, but even they don't really know how it works because it just kind of teleports them back to the beginning. Classic Oppenheimer. <laughs> and I think she did know how it works because she talked about how like the Dragon Void was first created by her species and this mm-hmm. machine was created. So I think she knew how to use that and use this ability to get to where she needed to go. Because in an earlier issue in the series she also summons this giant space jellyfish from between that's space true. and time oh, as I well about and that. So i think that's the thing too is it's this is worth a reread i think too because there's i'm focusing on han solo's storyline to be honest and i'm also trying to figure it out as i go like i'm like is she bad like we talk is, are the other pilots gonna be bad because at one point when Han Solo comes out of it and she's like face, her ship is facing his and I'm like, Oh, is she the one who set this whole thing up? Like there was so many things like that. So I feel like I probably miss a million little they did, details. They did a good job of introducing enough characters to keep you on your feet. Because yeah. like one of the, uh, one of the informants for the rebellion also had this random bodyguard suddenly. And so it was like, yeah. you also kind of thought that maybe this person was the, yeah. the killer. And then so. like the snow lion person is like very brash. Yeah. Um, and also like murdered somebody else. I think. I can't remember. In their backstory? Yeah. They murdered... She said that Chewie murdered her baby. Oh, yes. But then they went on to explain that her quote-unquote baby was a baby Raftar that she was delivering for somebody else, and it was supposed to be like a giant payday for her or something. Yeah. So they set up a lot of questionable characters in a really interesting setting, and that's why I really did like it, because there was like a million components to really hone in on. And again, it's the one of the things is like, maybe I got to go back and hone in more on the actual... um, world building aspect of it versus the actual story of it um like i said how does this it just also is just so funny it's like the empire hates this race <laughs> like they want to shut it down but it's like well it's, you can probably probably do that <laughs> like it's so funny um you can guess the universe is too big bigger fish to fry so what do you guys um what do you guys rank this comic book story on a scale of one to ten. Um, if I'm Luke Taylor, I'm gonna say it's a Star Wars ten out of ten, but a normal <laughs> a twelve out of ten. Well, I liked the way you phrased that rank instead of rate because rating is so arbitrary. Ranking, it's one of my least favorite Star Wars comics that I think I've read because I generally really? like most of them, and I didn't really like this Dang. one all that much. Oh man, that's disappointing. All right, well we're gonna have to try to review another one then. That I, I was kind of like a little too. bit better. Um, we should. Start... I did really really like the art. I, yeah, the, the art was fantastic, so cool. and it's. I feel like we say that about almost every single comic, but this one is in a tier above most Star Wars comics. No, I can definitely find some comics that had very bad art. I'm not going to, but... I agree. Uh, <laughs> I it is out one, there. There's a couple on your better, wall yeah. I don't are, care for. <laughs> this one's uh, far that. better than, I think, almost all of the other... I think it's something to do with the, sp- the space color, too, right? They do a great job of I think, illustrating a, a famous character, but then also... a. Sp- it's got a lot going for it because also like Han is randomly like out in like this super windy, uh, this windy place. He's got goggles on. Like they just go through so many different, really cool looking, uh, places. I think too, but also just the idea that's in space is really fun. It's a lot of blues, a lot of dark purples. Um, so it's got a lot going for it. But I guess the actual character design and styles is super super rad. Um, and then uh, this is so funny. I think on the front cover of this, um. 
It says, this is the solo comic Han and Star Wars fans deserve. It's like, wow, wow, what a what a diss to anybody else who has ever written anything Han Solo-wise. <laughs> and then also, I'm just like, man. It was early enough in the Disney era that they're just saying that about all the legend stuff that doesn't matter in yeah. their eyes. You know, it's so funny, like reading the back of this cover now, it, everyone's favorite scoundrel goes solo. Such hate low-hanging fruit, which is <laughs> a lot coming from the people who have the rogue ones <laughs> As a segment. <laughs> or uh, ship talk or hit the ship. What do you call it? Shoot the ship. Shoot the ship. So much. Yeah, that's, see, that's gold. That's gold. Um, but it's it's very funny to read something like along the lines of something that we're doing. I'm like, it's just too far for some reason. Um, how would you rate it, rank it, or whatever uh, you mentioned? I, I like it quite a bit. I would give it a solid 7 out of 10. I'd recommend it. Would you say, relative to the other Star Wars comics you've read, better or worse or about average? I would say it's about average. Okay. Interesting. Is, I, I, There's I'm definitely better, definitely worse. I'm interested in reading another one like this um, and then being able to rank it kind of like where we would rank. Uh, obviously, like how we rank the movies or TV shows. It's just like we don't have to do that intensely because it's going to be a random amount. Yeah. Um, but I would love to see this too. I would also think I'd give it like a 7.5. Um, and the first read, though, which I think is I think is pretty good because I feel like, again, I, I really like the story. Then there's a couple a couple hangups I have, but that's more like personal. I don't fault that for this book whatsoever. It's just, you know, my view on my view on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other story detail that I never really understood was those light orbs that mm-hmm. the They're living things. pilot had. Yeah. I also think they are the ones that are able to access things. I could be wrong, but I think they are the ones that see the purity in somebody, which is why they follow Han Solo. Well, the one of them follows Han Solo at the See the what in somebody? The pure, the 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 goodness in them. Yeah. So I think that's like another thing where it's like he is doing this scuzzy thing, but for a good reason. But also like Max, like you said, he is doing something kind of selfishly for himself simultaneously. But I think as the audience is like, oh yeah, this light orb knows that he is a good person, you know, deep down. Um, And I think that's potentially how they access the other portal yeah. when they're like oh she is a, she is going to sacrifice herself so in order when she sac- was going to sac- sacrifice herself i think the orbs were like oh you can now be with your people because you've completed the life journey was she going to sacrifice herself i thought i believe she so. was going to sacrifice or when she Han... when she came back or when she went through the portal when she went through the portal i thought i don't think going through the portal was the sacrifice i think because she went through the portal and mm-hmm. basically came back with like all of her people and so I think that was like... You know what's funny? I, I'm, I feel like they described this so perfectly. I'm sure we're both just... It's been... I didn't take any notes on this. I just wanted to enjoy it. Uh, unlike the holiday special. Uh, I just was like, I got to write all this stuff down. We got a lot to say about the holiday special. Listen listen to next week's episode. Yes. Sorry, Luke. You were... You're, are you trying no, to no, find I'm, it right I'm now? I'm trying to find it. Because it, it was unclear, which is why I didn't like it. I mean, that set up a lot of interesting things with the lore of this alien um what last of her kind yeah. and the lore of the race and the lore of the mole and the rebellion and then i think it all just kind of fell flat in the last issue i think it's none of the, it was resolved as satisfyingly as i wanted it to be i do feel like it's one maybe one too many things like take the alien out great story maybe by itself but i think like the race and the the the, the killer on board it could be more focused towards the end because you only have x amount of pages x amount of panels to do that so maybe it is just one maybe two it eight is things. overstuffed because there's also the empire and yes, that, I didn't really get the imperial presence. They showed no. up to shut down the race because they don't like the race. Yeah, I think that's the thing too. That what I mean by like, they, oh, Han Solo's just like a wanted man, like 
bigger than we've ever seen before because at first it was just like oh he's kind of like a scuzzy dealer that like job of the hut specifically wants but now like the entire there's wanted posters all over for him and stuff in the comic i was like oh well that's like a little bit of a different character than we were led to believe i feel like i could it be makes wrong. sense though he helped take down the entire death star he'd be a wanted man by the empire at this point i guess that's true yeah and i liked how he what i didn't notice those wanted posters because mm-hmm. he was talking to imperials like he wasn't on the whatever Death Star most wanted list yeah. in the universe. And I thought that was cool seeing him at a time when he is affiliated with the Rebel Alliance, but he's not so instantly recognizable by anyone in the Empire mm-hmm. that if he sees a stormtrooper, he has to immediately run away. That's one I, of those... li- I liked that element, but now you're saying well, maybe. That's just one of those things to me that it's just like, I don't. If he what I mean, you would. The people that would know that he did that are dead. <laughs> On the Death Star, like no one really got away. I mean, a couple people got away, but like I mean, Darth Vader got away. That's what I mean. But I don't think he's just like Han Solo is the guy we have to go out. For. I don't. Yeah, I think his he's looking bigger picture. That's one of those things I just like, don't like when they do in, in comics or movies even too. When it's just like, oh, main character is main character. Mm-hmm. But it's like, oh, Han Solo would make sense if he's still undercover. But there's wanted posters everywhere for him. So it's like, well, Leia trusts Han, but like realistically, for the mission to go in this really public race, probably not the best choice if that's true. And you know Darth Vader was investigating heavily into Han Solo because on the Death Star was his old master, Ben Kenobi, the diplomatic senator, or the imperial senator to Alderaan Leia, Mm -hmm. a force prodigy in Luke, and some other guy with his dog. (laughs) He's like, all right, who's this guy? Because I think this is something funky. And And, two droids that he knew very well. What the? F- it's like the equivalent of like passing somebody you know on the road and being like, "I think that was Max." What the? That's insane. <laughs> Which has happened a couple times. Yeah, Darth Vader probably met Han Solo. Was like, "Who are you?" And he's, I'm Han Solo. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you get that last name? Tell me. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we have another segment that I want to get to Ooh. for a character spotlight. Um, does anyone else have any final thoughts on the Han Solo comic? No. Before, no. Before we move I feel on. like I got it all out. You know. I really think that this is the solo comic Han and Star Wars fans deserve. There you go, folks. You heard it from Matt Lewis and definitely not... Comicvine.com. <laughs> the most trustworthy source. It's an interesting line I'm trying to balance between being positive about Star Wars and also trying to maintain credibility that I'm not just <laughs> gushing over everything because I frequently do say everything is That's excellent. True, yeah. And so it's, it's mm-hmm. nice to show the listeners that I, I don't just default to loving everything. Sometimes... It doesn't land for me. Just, and yeah. That really just goes to show that the High Republic is excellent. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Luke got his uh, Luke got his plug in. He'll make his commission. Yep. <laughs> One of our listeners emailed that us to us once that do does Luke get royalties for mentioning the High Republic every time? And when I read that, I chuckled and I was like, Oh my god, could I? <laughs> is that possible? Is that possible? Again, Have he, I been doing this for free the entire that time? Seems like the easiest job ever. He is. How to find a way to make money off this? It's simply too, <laughs> too good. good. All right. Well, as the uh, intro alluded to, the character that we are spotlighting today is, in fact, Bib Fortuna. Bib Fortuna. With- hey, everybody. Matt here. Uh, Max had this new segment called uh, Character Highlight, and he went into detail about Bib Fortuna for about 20 to 25 minutes. And so we figured we'd just uh, cut this down and save you that agony. Um, I'll leave a little bit in, but uh, again, hope you enjoy the rest of it. By the end of Carter's five-week shoot, makeup artist Nick Dudman had streamlined the process down to 58 minutes. Removing the makeup took another 25 minutes. The most intricate effect was Fortuna's air bladders, or bubbles. These were made from foam and latex that were fitted in Carter's brows and temples and inflated by off-stage operated hoses to make them appear to pulsate. Carter also used day-glow orange contacts and claw-like finger extensions. We've mentioned before how we want uh, 
community engagement and your advice and uh, feedback. So let us know, listener, if you think that the character of the day <laughs> Wikipedia <laughs> article is worth reading every week. I thought it might have been a little long. I th- I a little think, too long. I th- we I can cut it. We well, can cut I it. Think, <laughs> I think it's one of those things where I think we just got to go. Like, it's more interactive because I was just like, whoa, this is going f- hard. Yeah. <laughs> Luke, like, is this, do we get, what's going on here? I put a, I did it's put good. a good. good amount of uh, work into this because I got it you off of say. Wikipedia, which is not accurate for those of you who don't know. I do not like Wikipedia. It's as accurate as Wikipedia, so it depends on your level of research that you're. You still got to go fact to. check Wikipedia too, though. You That's do, my point. But broad strokes, I think it's accurate enough for ninety nine percent of people. That's a real who watches the Watchmen type thing, you know? Where are you <laughs> fact checking at? It's me. <laughs> I'm the one who does it because this Wikipedia Wikipedia article refers to Jabba Deselegic Tior. Apparently, that's his full name and i was like wow where did that come from i've never heard that name before and so i'm looking at all these 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 citations and apparently that name was given in star wars absolutely everything you need to know which was a 2015 book that just combined a bunch of fun facts of star wars things that had a specific disclaimer on it saying in 2014 lucasfilm reclassified was considered canon in the star wars universe star wars absolutely everything you need to know draws mostly upon information from the expanded universe that lucasfilm now considers to be legends so they're specifically saying don't trust anything we're saying in this book can you and wikipedia is citing it and that upsets me you what's funny though is that that person can you imagine running that book you're spending probably 10 years collecting <laughs> all this information and in 2014 they're like no, no, never mind. <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh, do we, do we just, what do we do?" <laughs> and so, yeah, I assume they put that warning on and kind of, you know, pulled one over on everyone. That's yeah, funny. that's man, um, that's a lot. What do you guys think about Fortuna? I I, he's an, I didn't realize until relatively recently that he's a Twilight. I was gonna say the same thing, and I feel like if I was a Twilight, I'd be the same shade as him. <laughs> Just pale as hell. <laughs> I would be like, I'd like to be a cool color, but I know that wouldn't happen. You'd be the diet Twilight. Yeah, I think no. I think Bib Fortuna is obviously a big presence in Return, and he's really spooky looking. And I think it's fun to bring him back. You know, again, confused with Boba Fett and why he has a beef with him. But um, I think he's a fun character that he's like always. You're, I mean, he's when you're looking at Return, he's front and center. I think, especially as a kid, he's like the scariest character. He is very demon like. So I dig him. How about you guys? I definitely like him. I don't like that he was fat in the book of Boba Fett. I don't. I don't. I don't see why the power that. got to his head. Is this supposed yeah, to be like he became fat in his power? I like just that. like Jabba. Which I mean, is it supposed to be like a Jabba? I don't thing? think like Jabba's fat because he had power. Or is that? I always thought that was just a hut thing. I think we saw the. I think we saw maybe the greed and the gluttony with Jabba. Like he's just you know throwing back fish. He's throwing back frogs. <laughs> and so I think Bib Fortuna presumably has the access. You know the the um, the access to that stuff. So I feel like he's. Obviously, partaking in that overindulgence is what I got from there. I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's valid. I just always thought that was weird at the end of Mandalorian Season 2. It was such a good finale. And then Boba Fett just shows up and Bit Fortuna's there and Fat and he shoots. And I'm like, what is <laughs> happening? <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, to be fair, it set up a lot for Book of Boba Fett. That set expectations. It did, like, it did set up a lot, but that's just but that was such the- an out of left field scene. It is. But if you consider that as part of the Book of Boba Fett, it was also probably the best part of the Book of Boba that's Fett, unfortunately. I, that's what I mean, though. Because it was like so no. cold-hearted and like he just kills him in cold blood and takes the throne. And then that was like the most badass thing and he now, ever did. And then he's just like, I don't oh kill anymore. Yeah. No, he choked out that four-armed slash six-legged monster in the first episode. That was badass. 
Go listen to our Book of Boba Fett review. Max and Matt hate it, but I think it's pretty neat. As time goes on, I, it has not been treating it well for me. Because even when you said that, I'm like, I get to see like Tem look like a nutsack choke out a six large. I don't know. I just want to see him in a cool helmet. I don't know. No, I, I liked it. Um, okay, good character of the day. Maybe All right, that was our we'll character talk, spotlight. We'll talk about it more off pod. <laughs> Luke's got thoughts. All right. it, just, it just seems pretty similar to our Force for Thought segment, except way longer. <laughs> you know, as I was going through, I was like, this is going on a lot longer than I thought. <laughs> I thought Bib Fortuna had a lot less to say about him. Because I, 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 I specifically tried to find someone who did not have a whole lot of screen time. I was so I could be say, like, oh, okay, good. We can narrow it down. We're going to realize that the, the character spotlight is just another episode. <laughs> It needs to be someone who's literally in the background of the I mean, scene. you went to, like, makeup artists, multiple actors. I thought that, was, well, I thought that was fascinating, though, about the pulsating air bladders in the forehead, because yeah. I never knew that they did that. And now, when I go back to watch Return of the Jedi, I'm going to be looking for it. Yeah, that is super cool. And his contacts, orange contacts? I, think I don't know. I forget. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I hope, I'll listen to I hope you remember. Cut that. Just cut that. <laughs> All right, all right. Let's move on. Let's move on to the comments section. We got a couple comments that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, on so the do I. I do edit things out, by the way. <laughs> you just don't know. Um, our first comment comes from Ty. He was uh, responding to our episode on the lightsaber battles. He said, "I feel like you forgot to talk about Obi Wan versus Grievous on Utapau. Mm-hmm. I think it at least deserved an honorable mention. That's just my thoughts, though." And after getting that comment, I absolutely agree. I think yeah. that is deserving of an honorable mention, at least. I don't know. I responded to Ty. Um, mm-hmm. I disagree. I thought about that one when I was prepping for that episode. And that's a lame lightsaber fight. It's very cool premise, a four lightsaber guy versus a one lightsaber guy. Yeah. But Obi-Wan almost immediately slices off two of them. And then the most interesting parts of that fight are riding that space unicycle, using the Grievous' bodyguard staff, using the blaster, mm-hmm. Obi-Wan donkey-kicking metal Grievous, and that's funny. All the best parts of that entire sequence come without lightsabers. So it does not qualify for even an honorable mention in my mind. That's hmm. that's a good point. I think is that lead up though, because that's the first time he uses the four sabers, correct? Mm-hmm. So I think that is the biggest reveal. I think that's a really cool. It's that's the you know equivalent of Darth Maul igniting the second blade on his saber. It's like oh, well that's cool because he only does it in certain moments because we see you know him kind of battle it out I guess earlier, and it's like oh okay it's like I don't know he saves it and I think it's a cool moment for him to bring out the four sabers. Yeah, that's definitely a cool moment. And when he's doing the spinny thing and walking towards yes. Obi-Wan, that's it's scary. That's scary and very yeah. iconic, and I love that scene. But I can't help but think, like, oh, man, how's he going to get out of this? And he just puts his one lightsaber in and it blocks all four, like, slice with the other three, Grievous. <laughs> this is not like Hu Yang, where he's got, like, little baby second arms. But no, I think you do not. have to take into effect everything else that goes on in that scene, too. And I thought it was a good way to, like, incorporate a bunch of different elements. Like, Obi-Wan using the blaster was cool. Um, him trying to kick Grievous in the shin was funny. Yep. Uh, the chase, obviously, where he's on... Oh, I forget the name of that species. What's that? Dragon. Oh, the Varactyl. The Varactyl? Mm-hmm. Um, and like Grievous disease. is on his unicycle. I thought... I don't know. I like it a lot. I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. It's not... I like all that. But is it a better chase scene it's than a, a lightsaber? It's a technicality thing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. It does not qualify as a great lightsaber battle. That's fair. I Sorry, guess, Ty. I guess I get that. But another reason why maybe it's not the top five, but I'll give it the honorable mention. What if all of our fan emails now are just like arguing back and forth with us versus new <laughs> questions? It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> 
Bring it on. We, we had nothing to do and we'll respond to all of them. <laughs> that is so yeah. not true. We'll, we'll, hand it, we'll hand it off to the intern. We've, we've responded to almost none of them, but we are very grateful every time you guys do reach Wait, out Wait, I don't think us. you've responded. I've responded. I've responded to yeah. I think Matt and I have responded to everyone that has emailed us so far. Yeah, well, I guess I'm just too big for this. Then I'll, <laughs> I'll have my people circle back around. Right, right. My people will contact your people. <laughs> Um, and then uh, <laughs> another comment I wanted to talk about was from Lucian. Lucian was talking about uh, the rise of, or I'm sorry, the Duel of the Fates uh, script review, Matt's Rogue One, that we just recently did. Uh, Lucian says, one reason why fans might prefer this script over the rise of Skywalker is because Duel of the Fates uses planets from the prequel trilogy. The Force Awakens and J.J. Abrams in general really made an effort to distance itself from the prequel trilogy, and The Last Jedi didn't need any prequel trilogy planets and whatnot, but those locations are still part of Star Wars and needed to be acknowledged in some way in this trilogy. And I agree. I think that's mm. probably one of my least favorite parts about uh, the sequel trilogy is the fact that you don't get to see any of those planets from uh, the prequels that we really liked. Yeah, I think it's it was trying to separate itself so much because even at the time, to be honest, you think of 2015 was a different time in, in the Star Wars fandom where the prequels were, were still pretty much hated on. Exactly. Like, honestly, that's what I was telling yeah. Lucian, which... I guess Max clearly doesn't check our email sent folder. But I was <laughs> but saying, you know, it's funny. He read the email that I responded to Joel Cotter again. Shout out to Joel Cotter. <laughs> um, well, I, I was telling Lucian that yeah, the fandom still hated the prequels until like 2016. Yeah, and I feel like J.J. Abrams never realized, and he wrote and created um, the Rise of Skywalker without ever changing his mindset on I think so. the prequels. I I think that's one thousand percent correct, and I wonder this might be a, interesting to do a deeper dive to see if um, I wouldn't mind doing a rogue one about this honestly to see if people started coming around to the prequels after maybe Last Jedi because I feel like with Last Jedi getting so much uh, hate, I wonder if people went back to actually rewatch them. It's also just interesting, I, you know. Send us an email too. I'd just be interested in, uh, for anybody listening of when you've actually watched the the movies last as well. Because some people I feel like go years without them, and they like the idea of Star Wars more, which is also totally fine. But there's also people who you know absolutely love the movies and live and die by those versus more of the fandom. Um, but I, I just wonder if there's a correlation there. I don't want to present myself as arrogantly as I feel um, as like a historian. <laughs> Good setup, Luke. But I do remember <laughs> distinctly uh, the r slash prequel memes picking mm -hmm. up on Reddit in the spring of 2016, right after Rogue One came out because mm. Rogue One was Ooh. by all definitions a prequel, but it's yeah. like not one of the prequels. And then prequel memes really took off. Mm -hmm. And then like within weeks, it went from haha, the prequels were so bad to haha, the prequels are so funny to actually the prequels are kind of good. Yeah. And I think it was distinctly spring of 2016 when the at least maybe it still was an all of a sudden vocal minority of Star Wars yeah. fans because it was generally people that grew up with the prequels and that's also when they aged into using the internet because that's <laughs> why the prequels were so hated when it was only kids that watched them because the kids weren't writing about it in no. the news or the internet and now that the you know our age people were talking about it on the internet they started to get a second life and yeah. more popularity and praise and that was right around I distinctly mm -hmm. remember spring break in college in 2016 I was uh well, it doesn't matter where I was, but it was exactly then. <laughs> no, no, where were you? <laughs> I was in Seattle, and I remember reading prequel memes and thinking like, oh my God, people are liking the prequels now. This yeah. is hilarious. I've never been to Seattle. I'd like to go. I never knew you went to Seattle. That's nice. Interesting. Um, maybe we should, I was going to say maybe we should do a collaborative Rogue One on to pinpoint that stuff, but then that's just basically an episode. We should just do an episode on that maybe. It's like, well, it's just, we're just one away then from, from just having a full episode. Oh my God, was that 2017? That's oh, what I'm geez. saying. 
So it was a good thing you you thought about it because I feel like it has to correlate. We again, we different episode. We should. Th- it we, was 2017. Oh. <gasps> it was right after the Last Jedi. That's what I just. Yeah, that's what. That's, You're right. Boy, good thing. Good thing right. I prefaced that with the that I wasn't being arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be right before the Last Jedi then? No. Oh yes. Oh yes. Don't it was the same. <laughs> You're right. It was the same time frame. It was spring 2017, so it was still right after Rogue One. But right before Jedi, then. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Anyway, I want to do an episode kind of now or Rogue <laughs> One. Anyway, Max, any more things? Uh, well, because Matt mentioned him a couple times, I'll give Joel a shout out as well. Joel reached out and uh, about our uh, food for thought episode, mm-hmm. saying a food episode without a reference of Melu Run. Surely I just missed it. Hera's favorite food, Ezra and Seb's folly, and uh, that's a great shout out. I feel like that absolutely was an oversight. We should have addressed Melu Run. It was a, a surprisingly big part of the Rebels TV show. Yeah, I only remember it in that one episode. Do you guys remember it in other ones? Yeah, they reference it multiple times. Do they? It's also, I, I think I responded back and just was being like, that was a very last minute <laughs> idea was to do the food for thought, even though our, our, our name is obviously based yeah. on. Actually, Joel, we had just had to save some foods for next Thanksgiving, so don't yeah. spoil <laughs> That's it. That's true. It's a, yearly, it's a yearly one. That's the full episode. Hopefully the Acolyte has an extensive dinner sequence. Oh, I bet it will. Honestly, I bet it will. Because it looks serious? not extensive. I'll take that bet. No. <laughs> I think it because it looks like it, it's so based in like Asian culture. I guarantee we're gonna get some new interesting foods in there, based on the trailer that was leaked. I think that's an. I'm gonna, right. I'm gonna just I mean, at least I'm not one that new interesting food. To outright disagree with you. I just can't believe that this is the shot you're calling. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like there's gonna be one interesting food in the show coming up. Oh, Grogu, I hope there is Grogu though. eating eggs, green milk, and Last Jedi. There's like at least one in every property so far. The Bloodles and Andor. Exactly. And the cereal. And the egg thing and solo. talk about the cereal in Andor. Yeah. Save, it, right. save it, save it, save <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, man. We'll have a lot to be thankful for in 2024. <laughs> so, All right. Yeah. Well, also, uh, I, I, this is Matt. I added the episode. <laughs> Just for anybody who's unclear. Matt was very defensive about that. Our names are too similar. Matt and Max. Yeah. I, I'm trying to call. I'm trying to say Matthew more on pod. But then you have been. I've been noticing that. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'll stop. No, I, call, I, I actually call you Maxwell a lot for some reason, too. Yeah, but stop never that. Luke, but never Luke is Lucas, because I don't... doesn't feel right. Luke is just too solid of a name. It but is. If you got a mid-name like Max, you can try switching it up. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. Your parents named you like a fucking dog. <laughs> you mean <laughs> they did for most of our brothers. <laughs> most of our brothers. Sounds like you have like a family of ten. Um, We're a litter. <laughs> yeah, litter. We're just dogs. Um... But yeah, one of us has a sweet and sultry voice, and the other one sounds like me. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, Luke, I believe you said you had a force for thought. Oh, my goodness. I did. I'm so sorry. Let me pull it up. Um, this isn't live. Courtesy of John Jackson Miller. No, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching The Clone Wars recently, and um, it was um, an episode with Bail Organa and he refers to a humanitarian crisis on Ryloth to the Toydarians and mm-hmm. they're trying to negotiate, uh, a de facto, a, a treaty to send, um, food and supplies and medical supplies to Ryloth for what he refers to as quote, a humanitarian crisis. Do we think <laughs> that is a bit, <laughs> that is a bit a... racist of that's... a term to refer to? Ryloth are, is explicitly Twi'leks, so they're definitely not human. Do we think he should have chosen a different word? A Twi'lectarian crisis? Luke, going back, 
I think cannibalism is the cannibalism in Star Wars universe. You're using things like <laughs> you're humanitarian. Just so, you're just so humanocentric that you think you just can't open your mind to all these other aliens. Not me. The Star Wars universe is telling you that. <laughs> uh, the Star well, the Star Wars universe didn't tell us anything about cannibalism, but Bail Organa does seem That's to be correct. telling us that humans are all that matters in terms of language. <laughs> That's so funny. You know that that is funny. Is like in the fact that like would you change that to like you said like Twilight or something like Twilightarian or is it because is that something that somebody would pick up on or do you say humanitarian like obviously there's like the level of like the universe and the galaxy but then there's like the production side of like do we say humanitarian just so people catch on quicker to what we actually need as well or or do you think that would be something that like if they because it seems like a pretty simple switch though too that you could you catch could just on, say like peopleitarian or sentientitarian yeah because it's not like Star Wars hasn't done that before where they change like a word to like oh it's like, instead of human it's just like I don't know gal- galactic whatever or something I was thinking about this do we and then I had the thought well is it because hu- uh, Twi'leks are humanoids and mm. that's a qualifier for alien species but is that a word in Star Wars humanoid or is that just a word in our universe to describe aliens that are humanoid yeah. That's a good question. I can't remember them ever saying the word humanoid. Um, like I'm pretty sure they say the word human in Star Wars, right? They refer to humans. You know what? I bet they... I, man, they, this they is another, one of those things where if you read like character descriptions or species descriptions, it does say humanoid. But again, is that a thing that's in the universe or is that for the reader to understand uh, as us as humans in the real world to understand mm-hmm. it's a humanoid that's a good question because so, I've, I've read humanoid a bunch in star wars lore but now that you mentioned i don't know if it's technically star wars proper canon or if it's just for the reader to understand which is very confusing yeah that is interesting i also wonder how canon someone like the role-playing uh books and resources for that is because it's supposed to be canon and it has a bunch of information in there that is supposed to be canon and they do refer to humans in that book I don't think those are canon. I think, well, I guess I don't know. Was it from the 2015? <laughs> Everything no, you know about Star Wars or whatever? <laughs> they're modern. They're from the Disney era, but I'm pretty sure if you asked like Pablo Hidalgo, he would say those are not technically canon. Hmm. Uh, I thought that they were. Maybe not, though. Honestly, it would be cleaner if they weren't, so I don't want to argue it because <laughs> I hope that is the case. Yeah, uh, I, I'll look it up maybe, and I'll talk about it next week. We already recorded next week's episode. I don't talk about it next week. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let us know what you think. Reach out to us on social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all the ones you can think of. Yes. And since we are going to record, you're going to listen to next week our uh, holiday special, we are also taking uh, the week off after uh, Christmas in between New Year. So, again, we'll shout that out next week as well. But I figured I just, you know, if people are, like, needing this episode, if people are like, I rely on this every week as my therapy. Yeah, I just want to go back up now. Yeah, <laughs> skip Rogue One. Listen to it then. It's worth <laughs> it. See you, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs>